Welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast, supporting health professionals to realise a healthier future for Australians through connected healthcare. Hello and welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast. I'm Dr Andrew Rochford and I will be your host for today. But before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, which we are broadcasting from and in which you are listening. I wish to acknowledge their continuing connection to land, sea and community, and I pay my respects to them and to Elders past, present and emerging, and extend the respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples joining us today. Today we are focusing on how specialists use digital health in their practices and how digital health benefits both patients and specialists. With me on the panel, I have Dr Omar Korshid, the President of the Australian Medical Association, Dr. Jill Tomlinson, a surgeon in Melbourne, and Dr. Steve Hamilton, independent medical advisor to the Australian Digital Health Agency. Welcome, everybody. Uh, to kick things off, I think I'll go first to you, Omar. Um, what are some of the challenges specialists like yourself uh, face when trying to get all of the health information you need when caring for a patient? Communication in our really complex health system and between different parts of that system has, I think, been one of our biggest challenges for many, many years. And at the coalface, that means a lack of patient information when you really need it. So for, for a specialist, that means uh, adequate information in a referral. You may not have access to a discharge summary from a hospital that's been sent to the GP, but not to you. Uh, your patient may not know what medications they take regularly. And it's a real challenge to actually find that information. It takes time, it takes effort. And in many cases, for specialists, especially in uh, areas like mine in orthopedic surgery, we leave it for others to do because it's just too hard. So that's a real uh, challenge, I think, for our system. And it's one that we hope that digital health will address in a really concrete way going forward. Jill, do you find similar challenges? Absolutely. It's it's something where uh, a patient will come to see me and, and if I don't have a referral that, that lists what's gone before, then I'm really relying on it being a simple problem. And while simple problems are great, if there's a complex problem with a patient who's had multiple previous surgeries, imaging and things like that, I'm... I'm having to give an opinion or, or try and uh, come up with a plan without the full information, which is which is not what you want as a patient or as a doctor. Uh, Steve, do you think that patients understand just how important their information, and, and that's all the information that comes before the exact moment they are with their doctor, is when it comes to actually making decisions about what happens from that point on? Look, I, I think that's a great question. And having been a patient myself, um, there's a couple of competing drivers you know I think people do understand that they try to give their doctor as much information as they need but if you happen to be ill and I remember the doctor asking me about my history when I was in emergency and it was really tough to, re to recall detailed information that that doctor actually desperately needed uh, and I think the, a tool that can help provide that rapidly information that you might not otherwise get just fills in the gaps for patients you know, what medication are you taking? What problems have you had in the past? Uh, when did you have your previous investigations? All of these things can be very important to make a decision right now on what to do next. Yeah, I think for me, one of the big things in emergency um, is obviously <laughs> that you do hope that the patient has, has that information. But the other thing is that the information they have is correct. 
Uh, and there was one instance where we had a patient list, and I am sure you guys have seen it, where you ask the patient what their medications is, and they kind of ferret around in the bottom of their bag, and they pull out this piece of paper that that looks like it's been yeah, around since the dawn of time, and it's got all these scribbles and scratches on it. Um, and and we had a patient who'd come in, and they were actually taking the same medication twice. Um, and it had been documented on this piece of paper that had clearly just been documenting all the new medications in one place. And it was so hard to, to figure it out um, that that actually was the reason why they were there. They were they were overdosing on, on their medication. Um, I guess that, that that's the past when it comes to patient information. It's still, it's still occurring. But, but how have you seen the, the digital health age start to help with some of those challenges, Omar? Oh, look, for me, uh, as a specialist in private practice, we're, we're partly along uh, the way of this, this journey of digital health. Uh, so the first change uh, for us actually setting up a, a brand new specialist practice was having a digital record system, uh, which in my mind is a complete no-brainer, but uh, I recognise that there's many, many specialists out there who haven't taken that step yet. And for us, that meant uh, lower cost, better availability of patient information when we need it. If a GP rings me wanting to discuss a patient that I saw two years ago, it doesn't take long to have that information at my fingertips, even if I'm not sitting in my private rooms. Uh, in terms of uh, the future of digital health, certainly secure messaging is something that uh, we see and use regularly. It means less cost of mailing letters uh, out to GPs in particular. Um, we get a, a few referrals in through digital uh, messaging as well, and we know that's secure, uh, and it means that we get accurate, readable information. We're not relying on the quality of the fax machine that was bought in 1985 uh, in someone's practice in order to get accurate health information. Uh, the other area, I guess, is, is telehealth, and through COVID-19, uh, we found that uh, having a system that was capable of, of just pivoting to telehealth very quickly was really useful for us, enabling us to keep our business going, to keep our patients having access to their healthcare uh, whilst uh, operating in this in this COVID environment. Uh, without that, we would have uh, really struggled, I think, to uh, to maintain that care for patients and to keep our business going. Did you have a, a positive response to, to the, the, the shift over to using that, that telehealth? Uh, certainly our patients were really uh, happy to have this, the access to their specialists still. Uh, there was a, a little bit of a drop off in the number of people who were coming to see us, but I think that partly reflected uh, what was going on in general practice and the general community as well. Uh, but not everybody was ready to uh, use the video conferencing platform that, that we had available. And uh, about half our patients were, were sort of signed up to use it for their consultation. But in about half the circumstances where we tried it, we just couldn't get the system set up at their end on their phone or their computer, uh, just because of their, um, I guess, IT literacy, their ability to uh, tweak all the various functions in their phone or their computer. And then we had to fall back to the to the telephone, which, uh, although it seems pretty archaic, still enabled us to provide a level of uh, healthcare that, that wouldn't have been available otherwise. Jill, for you, what digital health tools have you been using to help overcome your challenges? So I've been a fairly early adopter. I adopted my health record in my practice in 2017, and it's really been only in the last year where I've seen uh, major gains in Victoria and that in terms of the amount of information that's available. But it's been a really useful way of working out what medications people are on um, and significant accuracy. 
Um, in terms of uh, secure messaging, again, that's that's something that I have found extremely useful, uh, not just in terms of the, the cost and speed of sending things out, um, but also I know when I get read receipts that, uh, that things are, are coming back. Um, and I, I know when I've been able to connect with uh, GPs via telephone that, uh, in fact, if they've received my letter about it, that the, the uh, conversation we have about the patient is uh, much simpler and straightforward because they can go, actually, yeah, I've, I've got all that. That's great. Fantastic. Getting the messages all as well. As a Victorian, I've found telehealth in 2020 has been absolutely fantastic in both uh, maintaining contact with patients, but also pivoting my practice to working in a COVID safe way, because if we were to have the same volume of patients uh, coming through to our practice, then the waiting room would be fairly full and we'd probably have to have people waiting in cars and waiting for the receptionist to call them to come in at times. And so being able to uh, see both new and review patients via telehealth has been great. Um, and my preferred option is certainly to use video conferencing and using a platform where I can share my screen so I can show the patient their x-rays, I can show them uh, a picture or diagram that's relevant to them um, and uh, also discuss with them photos of something that they have sent through. So while uh, like Omar, I found that there's certainly patients who prefer not to use uh, video conferencing and prefer to use telephone instead. Um, it's certainly something where video conference really allows a much better connection for me with the patient. Um, and the only thing that I can't really do over video consultation is, is examine the patient, remove sutures, change dressings. So it, it's been really fantastic. Did it take you a little while to get comfortable? Because I guess that extraction of information is something that, you know, as medical practitioners, we, we learn and we train and we pride ourselves on being able to extract that information. Did you feel that it took you a little bit to get comfortable <laughs> making sure that you are? Because I know that that's one of the feedback from patients is that they feel like maybe they're not necessarily giving all the information that the practitioner needs in the same way that they would in the face-to-face -face scenario. I think that's certainly a concern and I, I know that a number of patients have been concerned about accepting a telehealth appointment for that reason. Um, one of the things that's perhaps different in my practice or that patients might not realise is that all of the consultations are actually triaged prior. And so uh, what I mean by that is there is a, a significant waiting time to see me and so we get all the referrals before we make the patient appointment. So I know when my staff are offering a patient a telehealth appointment that it's because I've assessed the information of the patient as being appropriate for telehealth. And when we're offering a face-to-face -face appointment or, or saying that the person needs to come in person, it's because uh, there are things specific to that presentation where I must examine the patient. Uh, so it's something where it involves probably a little bit of extra work at, at the practice end of things uh, to, to triage and suit appropriate, to, to, to suit the patients appropriately. Um, but uh, that also means that we're not having patients have the difficult situation where we see them for consultation and then we say, oh, well, actually, I, I, can't, I can't tell you today. I need to see you in person. Um, so that's certainly something we, we pride ourselves on trying to provide a service that um, is patient-directed and, and telehealth absolutely is that, particularly for our rural and regional patients. Steve, in your practice, in your general practice, how has, has digital health 
tools helped um, with you managing your patients as well as dealing with with your specialist colleagues? Look, and uh, it it has made a huge difference, and and I think some people are concerned that um, you know the volume of useful information in my health record isn't there yet, and uh, that's why they looked a couple of years ago and perhaps decided that it wasn't ready and they haven't gone back. But today, the My Health Record does have a rich source of information within it. A lot of information passively flows to the My Health Record that you wouldn't otherwise get. And I think that's the important thing to think about. I mean, I think for me, the game changer is, is the medicine's view. and I, It's probably the place I go the most. Patient will come, and we've already heard today the commentary. Um, I'm taking this list of medication, or I don't remember the list, or it's a little blue tablet that I take, you know, in the morning. And you know, uh, it's in the past I've had to pick up the phone, call the patient's pharmacy, call the previous practice. Sometimes you say, "Look, you're going to have to sit outside. I've got to get some background information." But you jump on the My Health Record, and if it's a PBS script, it doesn't really matter who prescribed it it's likely to be there. Uh, many of my general practice colleagues, when they prescribe as a consequence of that prescription, it goes to the My Health Record. Uh, hospital discharges are, are available looking at that, at, at that meds view. The shared health summary from a GP. If you've got a patient in front of you, if there's one there, you'll rapidly get it. We often want to know allergies and the patient can load their own allergies, but you know where they came from. So you can sort of test them to see whether they're actually side effects or whether they're allergies. So for me, that makes a big difference. And Jules reminded us too about telehealth and a good clinical handover. You know, And when I make a referral to a specialist, I try to provide all the information they're going to need to be able to do those consultations, whether they, they be by telehealth or otherwise. And so it's reminded us we, we do need to get that information there and, and the My Health Record is another source. For general practice, telehealth has been really, really useful in keeping our senior citizens out of the surgeries when they don't need to be here. It's been a great benefit. I guess we've struggled though with um, video uh, as well as telephone. And uh, a lot of our senior citizens, some of them don't even have smartphones. Uh, that's made it more difficult. And it reminds us, of course, that in the context of a longitudinal relationship, you know, picking up the phone and talking to a senior citizen, you can get a lot of information if you know the patient well. And I think that's what the government's trying to do focus the telehealth on someone that you know or where there's a decent clinical handover secure messaging for me has been really useful um, uh, talking about inbound messages from my specialist colleagues they go straight into my clinical information system i look at my intray electronically and i can file them against the patient so they're not lost it's not a scan it's not clogging up my server with um, data and the electronic prescribing uh, that's a huge game, game changer as well. And, uh, you know, we need to add to that pathology and radiology requesting uh, so that we can actually do a full proper consultation uh, online. But I do accept that we do, do need to see patients face to face um, and it needs to be complementary, not instead of, because you do need to do those physical examinations every now and again. Particularly those digital tools are just giving us a whole bunch of opportunity that we didn't have before. You mentioned a lot of you know really great advances, and and obviously 2020 has has accelerated the adoption of those. Like like a lot of um, you know, advances in history, it, it takes a historical moment for a lot of them to become part of the mainstream. But what does the future look like? What do you hope 
digital health and, and in your specialist practice um, will look like in the future. Jill, I might start with you this time. Look, I think one of my uh, hopes and dreams is that when a patient says that they've had a, an X-ray or, or some sort of radiology image done somewhere and they can't remember where, then I can immediately look at my health record and track that down as a source of truth without uh, without the difficulties that currently exist. But overall, I, I think that digital health... Uh, ideally will offer us a more connected system where patients can have care delivered in their home, uh, in their local communities, and where it bridges the postcode uh, issue that we, we have in Australia. So a more equitable health care system where we have fewer mistakes due to, to lack of information um, and uh, uh, a more connected options for, uh, for the entire healthcare system and patients. Omar, what's, what's the perfect future for you look like in digital health? Uh, look, as, a, as an orthopaedic uh, surgeon, we uh, feel very close to our uh, our x-rays and uh, like Jill, I'm really looking forward to a future where I don't need to log on to uh, 20 different radiology pr uh, providers in, uh, in, a, in the one clinic session in order to access uh, uh, radiology images, not just reports, but actual images. Um, in terms of my health record, though, I think what we need to see is incorporation of the My Health Record into the normal business of, uh, of medicine, both in the public and private sectors. And then it'll really, uh, it'll really flourish. It'll become far more useful to all of us if we're all using it. And I think that's, uh, that's still in the future, but I'm really looking forward to that future. And then for the My Health Record itself to actually expand and uh, gather real data, for instance, pathology data, uh, real either images or at least links to images so that a, a practice, a doctor, an emergency department only needs to go to one place to look for that historical information uh, about the patient and be certain that that information is up to date uh, and it's accurate. Uh, and I think the technology is all there for that right now. It's just a matter of incorporating it into the way we, uh, we run our practices. Yeah, I can't help but notice one of the common themes that the in all of your answers is to do with this <laughs> this um, efficiency of time. Um, and I guess that you know, specialists and specialist time is a finite resource. And I guess it's that whole idea of how digital health can potentially improve that, that efficiency of your time so that therefore you can provide better care to more people. Steve, do you think that's a, an accurate a, a appraisal of one of the, the huge benefits of how digital health um, can be of such a major factor in the specialist world of medicine. Well, I think um, I think it's absolutely. And Omar reminds us uh, about some of the challenges today that we face. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I look back and you know, in in primary care and general practice, if someone said we're going to take away the computer, you've got to go back to the paper records and write prescriptions on a on a prescription pad. How do you feel about that? And frankly, I think half the doctors would say, I'm not coming to work, fix the computer. Um, writing prescriptions uh, electronically means that you know, handwriting problems are solved. Uh, in my general practice, if I want to find pathology that I've requested, that's really fast. You know, it's not misfiled. It's not, the chart's not in someone's bag. It's not with someone making a report. It's available to everyone straight away. So what am I hoping for the future? Well. Now, digital health, we talk about digital health today, but I think tomorrow it'll just be health. And the digital we kind of assumed. But we don't want to look in 10 different places. You know, we need software to support us to gather the information and present it, present it to us 
as we're working in the normal way. So if there is an x-ray, I look at the section of my software that tries to find x-rays I've requested, it's there. And just on that same page, it should say, well, there's other x-rays that other doctors have requested. Would you like any of these? When we look at pathology, I want to see what I've requested, but I want to know what else is other people have requested. And I want to present it in a smart way so I don't have to search through multiple, multiple pages. When I'm prescribing, well, when I'm requesting a pathology um, test, for example, I want my software to say, this was done two weeks ago. Do you still want to order another one? And we'll start saving money. Um, Jill reminded us about medication misadventure. You know, we put people in hospital every two or three minutes in this country because they get a medication that doesn't fit with what they've got or they're allergic to it. And we've got to do better. We can save billions of dollars and, and make sure patients are, are not harmed by the interaction with the health system. So, look, I think there's huge opportunity. I agree we're on the verge of that. Um, the specialist software offer from the agency actually asked the software providers to better integrate the uh, my health record into the specialist workflow. So we're looking forward to seeing what that looks like because I, I would love to grab that for general practice as well. So, look, I, I think the, we, a, we're almost there. We're almost at that threshold where uh, we can drop the digital and it just become part of our normal healthcare for the patient. Steve, do you have any advice to practices that, that want to adopt digital health tools that exist right now? Look, I think there's a couple of really uh, good bits of advice. Uh, uh, the first, the first is, uh, as a background, um, the volume of useful clinical information is growing every day. And, and remember, 90% of the population has a my health record. If they've interacted with the health system, uh, there'll be artifacts, there'll be prescription records. Uh, the patient may have put something in there uh, themselves on, on allergies. They've been to hospital, there's likely to be a discharge summary. Pathology and radiology are starting to get there. So there's a reason to go there. I think that's probably the first thing. The second thing is if you haven't touched the digital world and you've sort of waited a bit, and a lot of doctors do that because I think that's the reasonable thing, Let's wait till it matures a bit, till they get the bugs out. Um, I think we're at that point now. And uh, there's, we've produced at the agency a whole bunch of guides, step by step, do this first, do this second, you know, register yourself, get your, uh, your public key infrastructure set up, get the keys, if you like, inverted commas, set up so you can enter this digital world and identify yourself. Uh, get your practice identified, get yourself identified, get the software uh, the right software to actually help you do your uh, work a little bit easier um, and there's and there are guides to do that for well for most software products and the, and the digital health agency has made them freely available so i would go back and have an i think we're on the threshold of um of a world where things are going to get a bit easier omar would you have any advice to specialists that might be thinking to adopt some digital health tools in their practice uh, absolutely, Andrew. I think the one key thing is that you've got to incorporate uh, this digital way of doing business into how you run your processes within the practice. And certainly in our own experience, having you know used a digital system for, for over a decade uh, with my health record, we, we actually struggled uh, a lot to connect to that. Uh, it was It was difficult and we basically failed. Uh, and it was only when we reached out to the agency that uh, we were given some guidance and we were able to connect properly, connect our software uh, to the My Health record and allow us to start using it. However, what we didn't do was incorporate it into our 
usual um, practices when, when patients first uh, present to the practice, they uh, we need to seek extra information from them. And we haven't quite done that in a reliable way yet, meaning that we haven't had enough access to the My Health record. You click on the button and uh, and nothing happens. So it, it, it does require you to actually um, do some work at, at the internal uh, practice level. Uh, but the good news is that the agency does have a whole pile of resources uh, available in a, in a toolkit uh, way with a simple uh, website and lots of hands-on information that will uh, allow a practice to go through the process of getting themselves uh, digital ready step by step by step, uh, either the whole process or you can dive in at the particular area that interests you, whether it be security, um, uh, whether it be my health record, whether it be e-prescribing, et cetera. So that information is now available in a, in a single place. And I think that's probably what's been missing for many specialists. Jill, would you agree? I, I agree completely. And I think it's also important to bring your team on board. So uh, most specialists will, will have uh, other staff members that they work with. And looking at what are the benefits, both, both for the specialist, but also for the other team members. So if my uh, administrative staff don't need to be scanning, if they know that they're not going to have to hold the patient up to get them to fill out a form and then scan that in before I see the patient, um, that's something where they'll be enthusiastic about uh, a change, they'll, they'll assist in implementing and they'll understand and be able to explain to patients why it is that you're looking at making these changes. I think for anybody who is having trouble uh, adopting the digital health tools, as Omar said, it's it's important to reach out to the, the people who can help you uh, because there are people who will be able to assist if you're having trouble, um, whether that's your software providers or the agency um, or PHNs. And I'd also suggest that it's a good idea to talk to other specialists about what they have found really works for their practice um, because certain specialists will find that some things work really well for them and are major uh, efficiency gains and uh, are really accepted by patients um, and other specialists will find that uh, there are different elements that work for them. So as a specialist, I currently don't use um, electronic prescribing, whereas I've found telehealth is something that's extremely valuable as a specialist in Victoria. So talking to your peers, talking to people who can support you, and talking to your team about how you can make day-to-day um, -day life in your practice just so much better. Steve, we've talked a lot about the resources that the agency um, has for specialist practice managers to adopt to get on board with digital health. That, that's been developed through consultation with a lot of different areas, hasn't it? Well, it certainly has. And uh, the agency has kind of uh, learnt the lessons, I guess, from NETA and uh, does engage very closely with um, uh, the target audience, I suppose. And um, those resources have been developed very closely with specialists who've given up their time and um, two of them are on the call today. Uh, to make sure that the, the the stuff that's produced is actually tailored appropriately that answers the questions that people are asking uh, and actually delivers the sort of thing that will fit into the clinical workflow. Uh, I think that's really important. Uh, the target is making uh, that, that connection between the patient and the provider more efficient. And if you don't talk to the patient and the provider when you're building those resources, you're not going to get something that's actually useful. So I think yeah, the agency certainly has learnt the lesson. It's actually tried to engage clinicians all the way through the process. Um, that's why they've got an independent medical advisor and I'm lucky enough to hold that position right now 
And that's why we engage with the AMA, the colleges, uh, and particular individuals who've got an interest in, um, in e-health to make sure we tailor our message. Omar, do you have any final words for your specialist colleagues uh, and members of the AMA about the digital health and, and adopting it? Well, initially, just on the uh, on the resources, the, the extra bit of information is that the, there are some CPD uh, points available for specialists who do uh, go down this path of educating themselves. And uh, that's another little, I guess, carrot to consider at least uh, exploring the area of digital health, even if uh, a specialist is still uh, sceptical about whether they're ready uh, to go down this path. Uh, but, but look, in, in summary, I think uh, I'm really excited, as, as has been stated before, I think we are uh, on the threshold of really stepping forward into uh, what digital health has always promised, but, but often not quite delivered. Uh, we're, we're there now with the technology, there's a lot of enablers, and I think if we can make this big step, if we can incorporate my health record, secure messaging, e-prescribing, et cetera, into the way we do business, we're actually going to improve patient care we're going to improve our efficiency, reduce duplication. And by doing those things, I think we will free up health resources that will then be uh, will enable us to, to treat our growing and ageing population. So there's a lot riding on this. And I think it uh, we're getting to the point where it's actually going to be every specialist's responsibility to actually take this step rather than uh, an optional thing that you might do in order to, to save some money or, or actually in the past to make your life more miserable. <laughs> um, we're in a different space now. It's really exciting, and uh, I'm really pleased that the agency has has taken concrete steps to assist uh, specialists in making this transition. Thanks, Omar. Jill, any final words from you? I would encourage my colleagues to uh, not only think about the new things with telehealth that they can do, but also if they're not interested in looking at those, to think about the current situation in 2020 in terms of cybersecurity uh, around. The world, we're currently seeing that uh, health remains a target for uh, hackers and for uh, malware and all sorts of things like that. And so whether you are using digital health in your practice or even just looking at your cybersecurity in, in your home office, uh, taking the time to look at uh, the cybersecurity things will really pay uh, dividends uh, and avoid the problem where all of a sudden you're... you're uh, facing a really big problem of crypto locker or other things. Um, digital health is, is wonderful um, and there are many things you can do, but the digital health basics, if you're not looking at anything else, would be where I'd suggest you now, now in 2020 is a time to, uh, to plan a review. Wonderful. Thanks, Jill. Steve, final thoughts from you? Well, I guess my final thought is um, what I said earlier. Um, if you haven't had a look for a while, it's probably time to go back there. Uh, for me in general practice, the medicines view has been a game changer and still is. I'll probably look at it today when I'm seeing my patients. You've got the LART, you've got the allergies uh, there, you've got the medications there, you've got a shared health summary from a GP if it's there, you've got a discharge summary from a hospital, all on the same page. You don't have to go to multiple pages. For me, that's really good. There's also a diagnostic uh, imaging view. So if there are, and not every radiology practice is there, but if there are reports and they're uploading, they're all in one place. There's a path view too. So if you if, if people have had discharge, uh, uh, pathology reports from hospitals, they'll be there. But many of the private pathology labs is now beginning to upload. So those three things are really worth looking at. And that's where I look. And I think if you haven't had a look for a little while, get your system set up, go take a look. There'll probably be something there that benefits you and your patient.
Wonderful. Thanks, Steve. And thank you to everybody that's joined me this morning on this podcast. It's easy to see how patients can benefit from digital health. Every visit to a healthcare professional or a hospital or other clinical setting may result in important information about their health being created and stored at that specific location. Digital health allows this information to be more easily shared between the healthcare providers involved in their care. Obvious benefits of digital health to providers may include more time with patients, less time as we've heard from our panel today, chasing clinical information and investigations, resending or chasing referrals, scanning, printing, filing, all those time-wasting postings. Better information, sharing between different settings, for example, between our general practitioners and our specialists and hospitals. Important patient information being available to you quickly and easily. Helping your patients, including those with chronic and complex conditions, to better manage their health. Another benefit being increased efficiencies that may help reduce the number of unnecessary repeat tests, hospitalizations, and follow-up specialist visits. Confidential patient correspondence only being seen by treating clinicians with no scanning necessary. Lots of wonderful benefits that our great panel today have all touched on. For more information on how to use digital health tools, the Australian Digital Health Agency has developed a suite of e-learning resources, as you heard being discussed in the podcast. You can find those by visiting training.digitalhealth.gov.au to learn more. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.